Welcome to Reasonably Fit, the podcast where we'll teach you everything you need to know about health and fitness, but in a much more reasonable way than you might be used to. Think about us as your friendly fitness experts, but we're chill about it. Oh, well, I was talking to um, Lauren, who's a riser, who mm-hmm. I ran into at the grocery store, and she was saying that her kids just make the cutoff, one of her kids just makes the cutoff for school because he's october 1st birthday yeah and i thought the cutoff was september 1st so i realized that and kinsley is september 2nd i realized that she's gonna just miss or i thought she was gonna be just the very oldest yeah and now i'm realizing that she might be just the very youngest oh right and so i was like i was kind of excited for her to be the very oldest so kendrick will be the oldest because he's october yeah i think we have we have the choice right it's like the harry potter sorting hat we have the choice to either push them forward to be the oldest in the class or the youngest in the class? I guess for her, yeah, because she's like right on the cusp. Like oh, Kendrick, Kendrick is going to be the oldest. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But she's right on the cusp. And so, or she's not on the cusp. She's technically supposed to be the youngest. The youngest. Yeah. But I think we could hold her back if we wanted to. I think we got into immediate strategizing mode of like, okay, well, what are the pros and cons of being the oldest in class versus the youngest? And I remember there was this whole chapter or like series of chapters in the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell where was it hockey was the example? Yeah. And he said that there was like a disproportionate number of people who excelled and went to the NHL that were born between the months of, I don't know, October like through December November or to January, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But basically all it amounted to was the more, the older they were, the better they fared, at least in sports. Yeah. Because at that time, it's like each month is like so exponentially more development than the previous month compared to other kids so if your kid is a year older than everyone else it's like they have that much more of an advantage right but is that the case for academics i think that's what we're trying to strategize that's what i was wondering yeah i can't remember if that was brought up at all in the book i don't think it was it was just obviously we were focused on sports (laughs) (laughs) but i think yeah i think it goes both ways right like in one way if you are older and you're more mentally more developed it's like oh like like i'm i'm smarter than everyone else yeah. basically just by default so i think there comes like some confidence from there yeah. but i think if you're younger do you get pushed forward more That's because you're surrounded thinking. you know you're you're what is it you're you're the product of the five people you're closest to or whatever <laughs> yeah, like it if, applies uh, for kindergarten yeah and for if your entire grade is older and more developed like does that push you along further and gives you like ultimately a better head start i know i don't know what the science behind it is but i think yeah. that you can like and obviously, I don't know if a five-year-old will be this, like, ad- advanced in terms of their personal, like, <laughs> uh, mindset at this point. But yeah. I feel like it just depends on the way you look at it. Like, you can That's look true. at it as something that, like, you having some catching up to do at, could be motivating mm-hmm. for some people. Or it could be, and it goes back to growth mindset, too. Yeah. Like, or it could be, like, you could start to feel like, oh, I'm I'm not as smart as everyone else. Yeah. And get into a Retreat. fixed mindset. So I think it's about making sure that they know to have a growth mindset and enforcing that and then whatever situation they end up in they just figure out what is an advantage like whatever their situation is it's an advantage so if if they're the oldest and they're the smartest like that's an advantage or if they're the youngest and they have some catching up to do that's an advantage because then they have to work harder and then they get more skilled at those things so this is what it's like to be uh uh, lauren's child (laughs) (laughs) how we're gonna be coaching (laughs) oh my god my kids are gonna need a lot of therapy (laughs) No, like it's my great. mom has toxic positivity, <laughs> but I don't think it's toxic if you're talking about mindset. Yeah, That's, just just 
just looking at things in a different lens, yeah. not like overriding what's actually happening. Right. I'm not reality. saying like, oh, no, 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 that's not happening. You're, you're happy. You're yeah, fine. Yeah. You're, you're fine. <laughs> you're good. It's like, okay, this is the reality. And here's how you can like spin it to be a positive for you or yeah. just like a growth opportunity for you. This is basically what every conversation around parenting like how it happens in real time with us. It's like, okay, we strategize pros and cons. We break out the flow charts and graphs. And then we're like, it's just like amounts to the kid and how we parent them yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, whether or not this is good or bad. But right. I'd be very interested to hear um, from you all in the comment section of our uh, episode two post. Let us know whether you think it's an advantage to being the oldest or the youngest in the yeah, class. So curious. Keep in mind it's kindergarten, so. <laughs> But it'll be for yeah. you know the rest of their school experience. Anyway. Who knows? We'll, we'll figure it out as we'll, we'll we'll tell you all in eighteen years what happened. <laughs> um, all right, should all we get right, into so, today's episode? Yeah, well, I mean, recapping last episode, I think last episode went really well actually, considering that we hadn't podcasted in around two years or so. It had been a while. I think we really started to get into it like mid episode. I think we were a little nervous in the beginning. But Definitely nervous. We, uh, um, we got it going. Lauren is so antsy to release stuff, but we've been telling ourselves, reminding ourselves to have like a week cushion. So we're actually recording this before you all have even, before we've released the first episode right. in the trailer as well. So we're like, we're like antsy to get this thing going. But Lauren's like, let's, let's post it. Should we post the trailer today? Should we do it now? <laughs> well, also <laughs> like, this is why we balance each other out. Cause I would have like, I kind of wanted to post the episode we recorded last week, this week. And you were like, we should have some in the bank. Like what if anything happens? And then of course, Kendrick has been homesick for the uh, last three days. And we were supposed to record this yesterday after going to a class together and yeah, like doing we, all this we stuff. Buffer. We and, need buffer And yeah, Kendrick was homesick. So you were right. Right. We needed a buffer. We need a buffer. Especially for the first ones, yeah. So. For sure. Yeah. I right. thought we were going to maybe end up testing out the theory from last episode of like, we can just let our kids run around downstairs <laughs> while we record a podcast. You said that. <laughs> we I don't think we'd to. be this relaxed. We'd be like, okay, here are the top five steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everybody's back in school. Everybody's healthy. We're ready. Yeah. Let's do this. All right. So okay. you want to introduce today's topic? Today's topic is the top five mistakes you're making in the gym that are keeping you from making progress. Boom. So we kind of, we introduced this last week and kind of talked about how we're not talking about like mistakes in terms of, or, or we're not talking about progress in terms of like some of the black and white things that the fitness industry makes you think are mm. indicators of progress with working out. So which is yeah. typically just, are you losing weight or are you gaining muscle? Right. And we're kind of just talking about like, are that are keeping you from Pushing the needle forward toward your goals. Yeah, whatever and they may Whatever be. they are. Like these are sort of overarching concepts that are going to help you push forward toward your goals in whatever direction your goals are. And like mm -hmm. they're going to work for pretty much everyone across the board. Yeah, exactly. Um. So if, if your goal is weight loss or if your goal is muscle gain, yes, they'll work. But it could also work if your goal is to like just be more consistent or your goal is to be able to go for a hike. Like whatever your goal yeah. is, it doesn't have to be so specific or so like typical Fitness yeah, goal. develop more functionality for life or develop more athleticism for sports, develop more muscle for whatever purpose. Like, yeah, there's so many different ways to go about it. And unfortunately, the fitness industry is so concentrated or focused on weight loss. It's right. just about five pounds, 10 pounds. What's the scale looking like? So uh, we definitely don't want to make it seem like we're focusing on that. It's just whatever your goals happen to be, 
we we feel like there are certain principles that everyone needs to abide by to, regardless of what your goals are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's just get them started. All right. Number one. Number one is that you're not following a plan or program in the first place. Yes. And there are different there are different levels to this, right? When CrossFit first came out, wads were popularized, workouts of the day. And I feel like people were, I mean, people were doing it before CrossFit, but just doing a random workout every day yeah. or whenever they were working out. And there wasn't any plan or purpose. It was basically to just destroy themselves <laughs> with whatever workout that they wanted to achieve that day. Just and I in think, that day, in that moment, feel like you got crushed. Yeah. Just be like, okay, yeah. I, I want to do this today. I want to do that today. And that's evolved into um, today, there are all sorts of Instagram workouts available. And I mean, we post them as well, um, just to give people ideas. But um, just being like the 10 minutes before your workout, like just scrolling through Instagram and then doing a workout is not going to be ultimately that effective, especially as you get more and more advanced with your training. Right. And so just um, just making sure that you have some sort of overarching plan or program that is gearing up towards your uh, whatever your goals happen to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that there tends to be like a ceiling with your progress for if you're doing like those wads or Instagram workouts, right? So like right. you can in the beginning, if that's the if you haven't been doing anything, if you've been sitting on the couch, then doing a wad is gonna like you're gonna it's gonna spark progress, right? Yeah. Doing an Instagram workout if you weren't gonna do anything else. Otherwise, it's going to spark some progress. And you're going to see that for maybe a few weeks, maybe even a couple months if you haven't been doing anything and all of a sudden you're just incorporating movement into your routine, right? Yeah. And then the flip side of that is actually the opposite, just doing the same workouts that you either have been doing forever or even like your high school strength and conditioning program from whatever sport you played. Like a lot of people are still just doing the same exact workouts that they've always done. Yeah, that's true. That's a right? whole nother like different set of issues like i remember when we were uh working as trainers at the commercial gym or even at achieve actually it was like people would still be doing their same workouts in their same gym clothes that they wore at that time <laughs> they're like oh, i haven't gotten new training shorts in the last 11 years and like they just go right back into that mode but you're at a totally different period in your life right, right? you are no longer in high school, most likely, if you're listening to this, you're probably no longer in college either. And so to do the same workouts as you were when you were 14 or 15 or whatever it was, um, isn't going to do uh, your body justice. And with those workout programs that were prevalent in high school and college, they're typically a little bit more dated, right? And so you're probably doing things that aren't uh, as up to date with uh, the current what the current uh, research and literature is saying. And also just like not doing things that are as functional. It was a lot of it was bodybuilding inspired. So you were probably doing workouts that were like back and buys and chest and tries and legs. And it's like, you know, that stuff is fine, but I think there is a better and more well-rounded approach to go about training than just doing these like machines and body part splits. Yeah, exactly. I think, and, and also a lot of people, like I remember thinking that, in high school, like strength coaches 
were or, or coaches who wrote programs like really knew what they were doing and like knew what they were talking about. But a lot of times it's like a football coach writing a strength program and they might know a lot about football, but they might not actually be a strength and conditioning coach. Right, and yeah. they might have just put together a workout that somebody gave them when they were in high school. And yeah. like a lot of high school programming now, I think, has really updated. But at least from when we were back in high school and even in college, like I think a lot of those programs weren't necessarily as rel- as a uh, up to date um, and then certainly not meant for general health and fitness. They were a little bit more like sports specific sometimes. So then you're coming into like adulthood trying to just be reasonably fit, but, <laughs> but instead doing like a, a high school football program and like yeah, it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't match like, really. Okay. Let me start with power cleans or yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so the two extremes, I guess, of not doing, not following a program are either one, literally not following a program at all, just doing random workouts or the other flip side is Maybe it is a program, but it's really old, outdated, not up to current strength and conditioning standards and also not really suited toward your goals. Yeah, definitely. Um, Now, as far as, yeah, so I should, I guess, amend my previous statement of not following a program. It's like not following the right program for you in this moment in time. Yes. Now, as far as what a good program should entail, a good program for you in this moment in time is something that is progressively and gradually getting you closer towards your goals in whatever modality that you are training in. So let's say you are a rock climber. A rock climber, a good program for them, is something that is going to get them slowly and progressively more skilled at rock climbing and eventually get them to climbing tougher routes, utilizing different skills, and just incorporating more advanced techniques. Uh, Someone who is a... Uh, let's say a gymnast, for example, <laughs> um, they might uh, ha- follow a program that starts with um, easier variations, whether let's say they're doing a handstand against the wall and eventually doing a freestanding handstand. And then maybe they're doing a single arm handstand. And basically they're getting into progressively tougher and tougher shapes and positions and worse leverages so that they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so a good program makes it so that the person is more skillful at what they're trying to do. And I think with strength training, people don't realize that it's actually a skill. Like it takes a lot of skill and refinement to do squats and deadlifts and bench press and Olympic lifts and kettlebell training. Like they all take skill. And so if you're not following a program that gets you better at those skills, you're eventually going to plateau and hit a ceiling because you're limited by your skill at whatever thing that you're trying to do. And so a good program should have it so that skill acquisition is at the forefront of the overall approach. And then the results, whatever whatever you're looking for, whether it's to build muscle or lose weight or build athleticism, like those are all byproducts of you actually getting better at strength training in this example. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that there is a big disconnect between programming for sport versus programming for life. And people get very... They, they look at it as a practice when they're program when they're practicing for a sport or even for like uh, like learning music or anything like that like everybody looks at it as a skill and something to be practiced and something mm. to to like progress over the long term but when it becomes just training for life it just gets like random yeah all of a sudden it's just random and yeah. it doesn't feel like there's anything purposeful behind the progressions and behind like building up to something. That something more advanced and more advanced and like each each step along the way instead it just becomes like let's just see how much i can lift today or let's yeah. just see what i can do today and it feels very random and very just like un 
programmed. <laughs> yeah. And this goes back to the the previous episode where we were talking about people just doing really hard workouts for the sake of it because fitness marketing has made it seem like you have to be in a puddle of sweat on the floor, barely able to walk out of the gym in order for it to be a good workout. And so they've set the wrong uh, metrics to mm. abide by, basically. They're chasing, you end up chasing feelings of like you worked out rather than actually chasing uh, more quantifiable things that are in your control. Yeah. Now, what we mean by a program is typically it's going to be four to six weeks long, like one singular program, and it's going to have a certain amount of workouts within that program. So let's give a standard example of a three-day-a-week program, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And on Monday, you're going to do, let's say, six different exercises. It'll be squats and rows and push-ups and pull-ups and lunges and a core exercise. The next Monday, you're going to do, you're going to repeat all of those same exercises again. And then the next Monday, all of those same exercises again. And the same goes for the Wednesday workout. The same goes for the Friday workout. So it's four weeks of doing the same workouts every single week. Yep. And then you completely change it up, but not so completely that it's random. <laughs> yeah, which we'll touch in which, on a little bit. Yeah. But it's funny, when we, uh, sometimes we'll get new members for Rise, our strength training program, and the first week they'll say, oh, this was such an awesome week of workouts. It was so great. I can't wait for next week. And then inevitably the next week comes around and they're like, oh, oh, it's the same, it's the same Are week of workouts? Are these the same workouts? <laughs> and they're confused because they're so trained to, again, chase feelings and just do a different workout each time and do a different wad that day and they're confused and then we break down why it's important to build off of previous weeks and basically what we're doing week to week to week is we're getting you better at whatever movements that we've programmed for and so at the end of that four weeks now you've had four different exposures to a very similar workout structure and workout scheme over the course of those four weeks, you're naturally going to get better at squats. You're naturally going to get better at push-ups. You're naturally going to get better at rows and pull-ups and whatever we have programmed because you're actually practicing them on a routine, probably on the same day each week, and it just becomes more and more comfortable. But if you are doing squats one day and then three weeks later you do squats again, it, you're not going to get better because there's no consistency baked into that approach. And so a good program should breed consistency week in and week out. And so your body comes to expect it, your mind comes to expect it, and you just feel stronger and more comfortable. And again, through that skill acquisition, and as you get more proficient, the results that you're looking for tend to come as a byproduct of that. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, you, a lot of times you relate to, like, I feel like the, the three things you relate to are always like learning an instrument, golf, <laughs> and like some other, like rock climbing or something like yeah. that. Like you always kind of use different examples, but I was thinking as you were saying that, I was thinking about learning an instrument and like, say you're learning piano mm. and <laughs> your piano teacher gives you like, Mary had a little lamb week one and you like practice it and you feel like you got it but then week two she gives you a completely different song and then it goes a completely different song completely different song and then in week five she's like okay let's go with mary had a little lamb again and you're like well i forgot i don't remember how to do it because yeah. you haven't practiced it and like so then it's like you then now you have to go back and relearn that again and that's a, almost a waste of time right yeah. because you had learned it and if you just stuck with it and learned it two or three or four more times or practice it two or three or four more times, then you'll never forget it. Then yeah. it became something that is a skill that you have acquired. Mm -hmm. And now you can build on top of that and learn some like the next verse or something like that instead of just hopping from song to song to song, but then feeling like once you go out on your own, you're like, 
do I actually know any any songs yeah. on the piano? So it, it's so similar to other things in life, but we never bring those same uh, mindsets to fitness for some reason. Yeah. So basically, like, chase, don't chase the feeling of novelty or just hard for the sake of hard. Chase the feeling of actually getting better at the things that you're trying to train. Yeah. And so with squats, again, we're going to go back to squats as the example. It's like, okay, week one. Squats felt okay, like I felt a little bit rough and shaky. But then the next week, I want you to chase the feeling of like, oh, I was able to go a little bit lower. Oh, my knee didn't really like tweak as it did the last time. It's starting to feel a little bit better. Maybe my muscles are loosening up. And I want you to be mindful in that format rather than just being like, oh, I did squats last week. So now I'm bored and now I want to do Bulgarian split squats, right? And so (laughs) just... Yeah, just making sure that your goal is the skill at hand. Right. And so then after four weeks of doing the same workouts, and we're going to get into a little more nuance of what we mean by the same workouts too, Mm. because we don't mean, we don't actually mean the exact same workouts, (laughs) but pretty much same exercises for sure, right? Same exercises for four weeks. Then after that four weeks is up, we want to start up on a new program. Now, we don't want it to just be so completely new and different and random we still want to use what you built in that previous program to continue moving, again, continue moving the needle forward. And if you make it completely random and different from, like, so different from your last program, then, again, it kind of becomes that same situation we were just talking about before, where maybe week to week you've been making progress, but then month to month you keep jumping around all over the place and you're not making this consistent progress forward. Yeah, yeah. So this would be like if you are going – you're doing a powerlifting program one month and then jumping to a kettlebell program the yeah. next month and then doing something else the next month. Yeah, you definitely need to treat it as more of a longer t- term pursuit. And so good programs, the weeks build off of each other, but then great programs, the months build off of each other. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that whatever skill you're doing, there's going to be core skills attached to it, right? So if you're a gymnast, your core skills are going to be things like push-ups and dips and handstands and planche work and just stuff like that that are going to be at the core of your program. For strength training, it's going to be squats, bench, deadlift, lunges, push-up, pull-up. Like Those things are foundational to the program. And so those are the things that you want to kind of manipulate a little bit, um, but they're going to be mainstays in the program. And then everything else, the accessory work, the, um, the complementary assistance work, those variables can change. But a good program, program you should feel like, oh, this feels like a natural evolution. I'm doing, last month I was doing kneeling push-ups. This time I'm doing full push-ups for fewer reps. And you should just feel like a very clear and manageable um, jump from program to program. Yeah. Um, not just like, oh, I did this last, this focus last month. Now this focus is totally different, almost random. Why am I doing so many more uh, so many more leg exercises than I was doing last month. Yeah. You know, it just, it, it has to be much more of a carefully thought out evolution. Now you can extrapolate this to the very extreme, like take Olympians, for example, they actually follow programs that aren't weeks long or months long. They're actually following a program that is years long. So Olympians, their coaches are actually mapping out their programming cycles in a span of four years, because that's, in between each comp- uh, competition. And the program might change a little bit depending on how the athlete is progressing or maybe getting hurt or whatever might be happening. But basically, they have an overarching four-year plan attached to their athlete. 
And so for those of you who are listening at home, it's basically the more advanced you are, the more thought out your program has to be. And so when you are a beginner, you could do a wad every single day and that'll get you results Yeah. for maybe, I don't know, three to six months or so. And then after that point, once you start to become a more of like in the intermediate category, then you just have to start to have to plan out four to six weeks in advance, then maybe six to 12 weeks in advance. And eventually you get to a point where this is where most of the industry is at. They're sort of in this like 12 to 16 week cycle is appropriate for the vast majority of people. And so this is how far out we tend to think of Rise. We try to map it out of like, okay, what's going on in the next 16 weeks or so and have a plan that is attached to that. It's not a totally random plan each and every month. And so just understanding that this is why a program is so important because it's the whole goal is to get you better at the skills, which will then in turn get you closer and closer to your results that you're looking for. Perfect. All right. So number one mistake is not following a program. Number two mistake is not using progressive overload. And so this is actually something that kind of gets taken care of a lot of the time with following a program, right? Right. And so actually, just like you were saying, like when you're looking into different programs and trying to find one that looks like a good program, it should have a level of progressive overload incorporated into the program, right? And progressive overload means over time throughout the program itself, there's still progress being made. It's not the exact same workout every four weeks, which is why I was having a hard time explaining the <laughs> like Monday, every Monday is the same because every Monday isn't necessarily exactly the same. It's the same exercises, but there are going to be different variables that are moving the needle forward, like we've been saying. So um, do you want to just talk about sort of like general progressive overload principles? Yeah. So basically your body wants to remain in a state of homeostasis. It wants to be in a place where it's just sort of at an even level. And your job with the program is to break it out of that state and try to stress your body so that it adapts and gets closer to whatever your goals are. And so let's say you're a beginner and you are doing squats for three sets of 10 at 25 pounds and you're doing that on on Monday. And then the following Monday, or actually you do it, yeah, you do it on Monday and you feel like you feel tired after your legs are sore the next day and you feel like you definitely did something and it was challenging. You do it again the next Monday and you do the same workout, three sets of 10 at 25 pounds, same tempo and everything. And you feel like, oh, okay, that was actually much easier, felt better. Um, And the next day I'm definitely not as sore and I feel like I could train again if I wanted to. And then come around the following Monday, you do three sets of 10 at 25 pounds Now at this point, this is your new baseline and your body is very used to the stimulus and this has become your new state of homeostasis. And so basically what progressive overload wants you to do is to progressively overload your body with very specific variables in order for you to increase the amount of stress your body is going through in order for it to adapt and actually get closer towards your goals. And so what you want to think about it is is how can I make micro changes to the program in order to push the needle forward? And that could be adding some more weight, it could be adding reps, it could be adding sets, it could be adding increasing the tempo, it can be uh, using better technique, it can be using a harder variation. And so what that might look like is, let's say week one you do three sets of 10 at 25 pounds, an easy way to progressively overload is the next week doing three sets of 10 at 30 pounds. Or you could go 
three sets of 11 at 25 pounds. There's number, there's an infinite number of ways you can try to progress, but the main gist of it is you want to progressively overload one little variable and try to micro improve it over time. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that it should just be one variable. So mm. it can be easy to be like, okay, so I did three sets of 10 at 25 pounds. Next week, I'm going to do three sets of 12 at 30 pounds with a slow tempo. Like that's too much, right? <laughs> yeah. And especially if you're thinking, if you're zooming out and looking at the big picture, you don't want to, maybe you could change all those variables at once, but as you get more and more advanced, you're not going to be able to continue progressing in every single variable in every single, every single week. So by doing these micro adjustments, it just gives you more time to be able to continue to progress, right? right? And like it allows for that process to be longer, which is kind of what we want. We want to be able to always feel like we're kind of moving the needle forward in some way. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to, you're not always going to be able to increase weight infinitely, right? Yeah. Like that's, you can't just stick with the same variable forever, mm -hmm. but you also don't want to do a different variable every single week. So yeah. it's pick the variable that you're going to change for that program, for that exercise and change that and increase it week to week to week until that program's over. And then the next program, maybe you continue with the same exercise. Maybe it's squats again. But let's say the first program you did squats, 10 sets of, or what do you say? Three sets of 10 at 25 pounds, then three sets of 10 at 30 pounds, three sets of 10 at 35, three sets of 10 at 40. Yeah. Then your next program, what could, what could that look like? Because eventually you're going to be like, okay, I can't just keep going up in weight. Yeah. So right? once that happens, you could actually decrease one variable in order to push a needle, needle forward in another variable. Yeah. And so you might want to go three sets of eight and add, add weight from there. So you might go three sets of eight at 35 pounds and then three sets of eight at 40 pounds and keep going until basically you end up going to sets of one for a really hard weight if, you, that, that, if that's something that you wanted to do. And that's uh, basically known as a linear periodization model where yeah. you're going down in reps in order to go up in weight. And so that's just one way to continue to progressively overload um, whatever workout you're going through. Yeah. Now, this is definitely something that we see time and time again whenever you go to a commercial gym setting where people are either doing the same workouts, again, like we were talking about, in high school or college, or they started their, um, their fitness journey like on the elliptical, and now their new baseline is five days a week on the elliptical, on their Stairmaster. And these people are there religiously, just really consistent, but they're not doing anything else to get past that baseline. Yeah, And that might be their goal, um, but basically most people, if they have further pursuits beyond that, they're going to need to change up some sort of variable and either maybe go faster on the elliptical or maybe go for longer distances in a shorter amount of time. Like there's different variables that you need to take into account, which again is why a good program is paramount to all this. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why we've, we have been so drawn to strength training as opposed to like other pursuits because there's, it's just, there's so many different variables that you can change mm. with strength training, right? But like with running or the elliptical, especially with the elliptical, running has more things with like pace and incline and things, but like the elliptical is literally the same movement, right? It's yeah. the same movement, the same resistance. You're just swinging your legs back and forth. So like, <laughs> and I'm not saying it's bad, but there's just only so much, there's really only one variable you can change, which is time. Yeah. You can just go longer. Yeah. And so you have to add more days a week or you have to be there for 
an extra 20 minutes, 30 minutes, hour. Like there's only so much you can do to keep yourself from just being in, again, like we were saying, that just homeostasis state. And then you feel frustrated because you're not making progress even though you're putting in all this time. Yeah. And it's like, it feels like, what am I even doing? Like, I feel like I'm putting in all this time and nothing is changing, but it's because there's just no more variables left to change. And with strength training and just, you know, functional training in general, there's just so many different ways that you can make progress. And it doesn't always have to be about adding more workouts or adding more time, which is the case for a lot of like more cardiovascular endeavors. Yeah, yeah, so true. Um, Now, as far as... What I feel like the industry is doing a good job of, especially on social media, like progressive overload is being talked about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are defining it and saying how to do it and make sure, making sure to incorporate it. Um, but I think it could also be taken too far in that you have to be making progress all the time in all lifts at all times, yeah, basically. Yeah. And that can be, that can get you into a, you know, a little trouble as well, both mentally and physically as well, if you're always trying to progressively overload everything. Yeah. And so when you're a beginner, you could progressively overload everything, like all of your lifts, and they'll probably all go up and you're going to be feeling great. But as you get more and more advanced, let's say you're six months into your journey, you start to have to prioritize a little bit more and you have to be okay with some other areas of your fitness, either maintaining or even declining a little bit. And this is something that we saw time and time again when we were training um, people out of our gym, Achieve Fitness, you know, they would say like, oh, I really am into my deadlifts or I'm really into pull-ups. Like, can we make a program that is geared specifically towards those things? And we would do it. And inevitably, they would almost (laughs) self-sabotage like, oh, my pull-ups are getting better, but my push-ups and my squats are really getting worse. (laughs) And we had to explain to them, like, you're actually getting more advanced. Like, this is a good thing. Now we just need to prioritize and do our best to maintain the other skills, but they might decline a little bit and that's okay. Like, you are prioritizing your deadlifts and pull-ups, so let's focus on that and we can bring up those other areas later on. And so definitely not getting trapped into this mindset that everything has to be perfect and progress at this linear rate at all times. Just you want to zoom out a little bit and just think, think from a greater perspective like okay over time generally speaking most of my lifts should go up not like every week every day every hour these things should progress forward and that's going to be a lot more of a more mentally uh relieving uh framework (laughs) to come off of yeah like i mean when we were at the pandemic like we hadn't we hadn't actually had lifted a barbell for nine months yeah when our gym was closed we didn't really go in either we were like we want to be because we were programming for people at home so we're like we want to program for ourselves at home too just to like make sure that we kind of feel like what they're going through yeah feel what they're going through and and can find the best ways to use progressive overload principles right but from home with just a kettlebell or just body weight and yeah like we but in the back of our minds we're like oh man what's our what's our deadlift gonna be at like what's our squat gonna be at it's been a while right and yeah and I remember when we finally got back into the gym, like later that fall, we were moving around some equipment because we had to make sure that everything was socially distant and really um, separated 16 feet or something like that it was. And I tried to pick up a barbell that was like well below my max, well, my all-time max. And I tried to pick it up and I was like, what? I I can't move this thing. I was like, this is really bad. But that's what happens when you are 
just so you get too into the zone of like progressively overload. Cause like if I hadn't had that experience, I probably would have just started off the, the next time with my barbell lifts at like a weight that was really uh, unattainable at that time because I hadn't lifted a barbell in 10 months or whatever. Yeah. So basically don't get so far in the progressive overload trap that you feel like you have to progressively overload. You have to make sure that you're taking into whatever variables are present at that time in your life as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, we've, like going through pregnancy definitely is another time where progressive overload takes on a new meaning because mm-hmm. for me, I was like, I remember being like, okay, literally every day is progressive overload. And I had to remind myself that because every day I'm either gaining a pound from the baby getting bigger or losing some range of motion because my belly's getting in the way. Like all these things are technically making my workouts harder. So I don't need to make my workouts harder in any other way. Yeah. Right. And that, the same thing can go for like, if you're tired and you're like, Today, I'm tired and I'm just going to get the same workout in. But because I'm more tired, it's going to be harder. And that's like, I'm going to let that be progressive overload for the day. Like, yeah. you know, you can, it doesn't have to be so like regimented and strict. I think that when we talk about programming, it's easy to kind of talk about it in a best case scenario mm. way because there are, if you're in a best case scenario, like there are things that you can optimize and ways that you can make your program really work best for you. But also in life, there are just times and period, either periods of time or days where things aren't going great or something else has come up and like just doing a workout and getting some movement in is, is good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to, it doesn't mean that you're completely derailing your progress and that you just start over and like, you know, so always when we're talking about these things, keep in mind that we're not saying that if you can't do this stuff, what's the point? Or if you can't, if you can't progressively overload every week, you're not doing a good job. Like these are just ways to optimize what you're doing. And especially when you're in one of those more best case scenario positions in your life. Yeah. I remember when I was a newer trainer and I would be so excited that about these programs that would progressively overload and I would create these like 12 to 16 long <laughs> week long programs. And then my client would inevitably either get sick for a couple of weeks or travel for a couple of weeks or have some sort of family thing that they had to attend to. And it's like, oh, oh, this isn't actually like that realistic <laughs> this to have this like life. meticulously progressively overloaded program for 16 weeks. And so I think uh, that's also part of why four week increments for programs is good because yeah. it's like four weeks feels a little bit more like manageable in terms of your life might be able to be somewhat consistent for four weeks. But yeah. when you start you know, making like you're saying, like a 16 week plan, there's more likelihood that something in that 16 weeks is going to come up. And then what? Like, then you have to, (laughs) what do you do? Like, and if it's four weeks and you miss one, it's like, okay, no worries. Like, we'll kind of just like get back on track starting fresh the next program. And it's not as big of a deal. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So point number one, make sure you're following a program that is structured for you at this moment in time. Point number two is make sure that program also follows elements of progressive overload. Yes. From a macro standpoint not necessarily like so granular day in day out and then point number three well now we changed you changed the points to be more positive versus negative because <laughs> we were saying the mistakes oh yeah yeah <laughs> so now i feel funny going into a mistake so point number one mistake number one is you oh, right, weren't yes. following a program we're gonna be negative today that's <laughs> our it's typically you know we like to be just really negative um mistake number one is you're not following a program mistake number two is that you're not following progressive overload principles mistake number three is that you're starting too heavy Mm-hmm. If you are following a program. So especially if you're following a strength training program, yeah. you're starting with the weights too high. And I would say a large majority of the people listening to this podcast or have been on rise 
are probably at this sort of standpoint. They know that a program is important. They know that progressive overload and getting stronger or improving variables that um, over time is important. But most people start their programs at too heavy of a weight or too just close to their overall max in terms of overall effort and output. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, it's just natural for you to, let's say you're doing a dumbbell bench press for sets of eight. It's natural to just pick the weight that feels like you can get eight reps for. Right. And you do that. And you do that for your first set. And your second set, you're like, oh, that second set of eight was really hard. And then a third set, you might get a set of seven because you're trying to push so close to your max. And so one thing that we always like to start off our programs with is educating people about RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. And so with rate of perceived exertion, a 10 RPE is lifting to your absolute max for failure, basically. And so let's say you are bench pressing three sets of eight at 35 pounds, and that's your absolute max. That's your 10 out of 10 RPE. When you start a new program with us, what we like to say is start this set of bench presses at three sets of eight, but do it at a six or seven RPE. And so what that means is you're leaving about three to four reps in the tank, which is really hard to do. And so you might pick a weight instead of 35 pounds, you might pick a weight that's 20 or 25 pounds. And mentally, you're like that first set, you're like, that was nothing. Like, I, I, why am I even working out? I feel like <laughs> I didn't do anything. My muscles don't feel sore at all. But the second set of eight, you knock it out. It's a little bit more challenging. That third set, that fourth set gets a little bit more and more challenging. By the end of the fourth set, you're like, okay, I, I feel like I worked out a little bit. But that first set, you're like, oh, this was like, I, why easy. am I even bothering? But now this is where the magic comes in. The next week, you're able to get that four sets of eight at a five pounds heavier load or whatever variable you're trying to improve. And then the following week, you're able to add five pounds from there again. And then following week again, you're most likely able to add weight. What's happening each week in that downtime when you're recovering and you're repairing yourself, your muscles are getting stronger, your technique is improving, you're getting more comfortable with that exercise, your joints and tendon strength are getting more uh, resilient, um, you are building better technique. Like all these things are happening during that down recovery time that is continuing to push your ceiling forward so that you don't end up plateauing. But let's say you grab that heaviest set of dumbbells that you can week one. Where do you go week two? You've already lifted the heaviest weight that you can. Week two, the only thing that you can do is probably do that same exact weight. And then week three, you might go down weight because you've been operating your max for two weeks in a row. And so you're just intentionally taking one step back in order to take three steps forward. It's really hard to do this in practice because you're grabbing a weight that feels so light for that first set, but it's going to lead to so much better results in the long term if you can actually do that and set your ego aside a little bit. Yeah, it's so it's so hard to do. It's mm -hmm. so hard to do. I think we sometimes, now that we are so skilled at it for ourselves and for programming it, like sometimes we forget that people see it and they're like, wait, what? Like a six out of 10? That It feels like nothing. It feels like nothing. And you kind of question, you definitely question a little bit, like, why am I doing this? What yeah. is the point? But like you said, I mean, I, it's the, one of the biggest things is the ability to not just continue to progress, but the ability to allow your body to 
motor learn, mm. right? Like there, I feel like motor learning doesn't happen. Like learning how to do something well doesn't happen if you're operating at a 10 out of 10 because all you're trying to do is survive the exercise. You're just trying to get through it and get the weight off your chest and like get it back on the rack. But if you're using a six out of 10, you have time to think about what's happening in your body. Mm, like true. you have more of a chance to, you can breathe. You can like, you can feel the movement and you can say like, oh, I just realized that like my left elbow goes out a little more than my right. Like, I wonder why that's happening. You yeah. can't even notice those things when you're operating at a 10 out of 10. Right, yeah. All you're worried about is, can I survive this exercise? And so there's just so much more opportunity to to grow in, in so many different ways when you are taking a step back in terms of weight. And yeah. I think we forget that it's not just about how much weight I can lift every workout. There's so many other things that are, and like when we think about what our general goals are, like we want to function well, we want to feel good. We want our joints to feel okay. Like all of those things can't happen or we can't even consider them when we're just getting crushed by the yeah. weight. Yeah. And I always like it, liking this, this approach to running because people can see how quickly this deteriorates with running. If you utilize this sort of go at your max at all times with running. Like let's say you're training for a marathon and week one, you're like, okay, I'm going to go as far as I can, as fast as I can. And you get to two and a half miles and you're like, whew, like that was a really tough workout. Next time you go out and you try to do it again, you might go a little bit further next time, maybe a little bit further, but now you just start, you're really close to your ceiling. And the only thing that's pushing you forward is just your mental willpower. You're just, yeah. you're just willing yourself to go more and more forward. But your body at this point has been operating at its max capacity for each run. And there's no time for the muscles to develop. There's no time for the joints and tendons to develop. And so what ends up happening are people get muscle strains. They get stress fractures. They get plantar fasciitis. They get shin splints. They get, uh, you know, little uh, fractures along their feet and their ankles. And all this stuff starts, starts to happen because they're operating at this level that they can't recover from. So that's why good running programs have short runs, long runs, taper runs, fast runs, slow runs. And it's just it's just a much more comprehensive approach that has recovery at the forefront so that the muscles and the joints and the running technique, they can all improve slowly over time till eventually they get to that marathon level. But again, operating at a 10 out of 10 at all variables at all times, trying to improve them at all times, that's going to lead to injury, burnout, plateau, like all those things. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. For sure. All right. I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. That, okay. Mistake, not point. For that number mistake. Four. Mistake. <laughs> I've never been so negative. <laughs> I just was like, it's really just because I'm reading my notes and I was like, shoot, I can't, I can't transition into this next point because we went from... Points to mistakes. Uh, points to mistakes. It just didn't make sense. L okay. Lauren is a journalism major, so she has to stay <laughs> consistent at all times. Oh my gosh. When Jason, when you change te uh, tenses, like yeah. mid sentence. Have, have, having, had. <laughs> what well, are the have, tenses? have, having, have, had, having. <laughs> you sound like you're doing a Harry Potter spell. Have, having, have, had, have, had, have, have, Anyway, let's just move on to the next mistake. Okay. okay, so mistake number four is not enough frequency or consistency. So increasing frequency and consistency can kind of go in in a couple different ways. So it can be a little bit more overarching in terms of just increasing the number of workouts that you're doing per week. I, I think that's when you say frequency, consistency, like that's kind of what would come to mind, right? It's yeah. like if I'm doing two workouts a week, 
I can increase that to three workouts a week. Yep. And that would be increasing your frequency. It's a form of progressive overload, just like adding in more movement, adding in more exercise. That's obviously, it's almost like too obvious. <laughs> like it's gonna, <laughs> obviously that's gonna push the needle forward, right? You're yeah. just moving more. Um, but it can also be used to, like in terms of being more specific toward your goals, right? Mm. So it could be increasing the frequency of a specific exercise or the consistency of a specific type of movement. And so it's not just increasing how many days a week you work out because obviously there's a max to that. Yep. <laughs> there's, a, there's a cap. It's seven. If you didn't know how many <laughs> days a week there were. You could do two days. You could do two oh, days. Oh, true, true. Um, but you can use it like in, in a little bit more of a specific way. Right? Yeah. So, so let's say you're working out three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and one of your primary goals is to improve your squat then let's say you were doing squat once a week within that three-day program, you might want to do squats twice a week. So doing squats on Monday and Friday and using Wednesday to rest could be a way to increase your frequency and get you stronger at squats. And this can be applied to anything like pull-ups or push-ups, whatever goal you're trying to improve. If you can't increase the number of days that you're doing it, you can increase the number of exposures you do within the days you have available. Right. And so that's one way you can increase uh, frequency without actually increasing the amount of times you have to work out. Yeah, and there are certain exercises where this is easier to do and, and more beneficial to do. Like mm -hmm. I would say pull-ups is one where increasing the frequency is going to exponentially help you toward a goal of either getting your first pull-up or doing more pull-ups. But yep. there are certain exercises that are a little bit more just like taxing to your central nervous system mm. that like deadlifts, for example, that like doing, if your goal is to deadlift more weight, doing five days a week of weeks of deadlifts is actually too much frequency. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So there's certain, you kind of have to figure out for each, for your goals, what the appropriate amount of frequency and consist consistency is <laughs> for that goal. Um, yeah. So, so it's not always just doing it more. Yeah. So recovery is definitely a big part of it. And so like you were saying before, five days of deadlifts is not ideal yeah. but you could probably do five days of abs or yeah. five days of arms like little muscle groups that you can increase the, the intensity for and so it's definitely you have to be mindful of the approach as well it's like how much can i push the frequency while still having recovery be at the forefront right. of it all and so that also goes hand in hand with Point number three as well, not just operating at a 10 out of 10, just making sure that you are doing things in a submaximal way, but doing submaximal things for a really long period of time usually leads to really good things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. So it's like more is better until it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> right. Like if there's a certain number. There's a certain point where more no longer is better. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, there's some sort of ancient phrase we can come up with. Like, less is more, but more is less. And yeah. <laughs> all right. Mistake number five. Anyway. All right. <laughs> we're, we're starting to lose it. Um, mistake number five is not taking care of other areas in in your life. Mm. Right. So not taking care of other variables outside of just your workouts. Yeah, and I think we should have probably started off this entire podcast with talking about these sort of other variables. And by other variables, I mean like sleep and hydration and nutrition and stress management and mental health, like all these sorts of variables should ideally probably take care of before all this. But we also didn't want to give like the preachy advice and answer that <laughs> people 
know that they should hear, but they don't want to hear. Yeah. But I would argue that these are things that like sometimes aren't as in your control depending on the phase of life that you're in. So mm. I wouldn't want to say like like last time I was talking about that example of the new mom who like read that if you don't sleep eight hours yeah, a night, like yeah. you shouldn't even work, even work out. Like I didn't, I don't want to come across as like, well, if these things aren't getting taken care of, then you shouldn't even There's no work point. out, right? So I think just giving yourself grace if you're not necessarily in a place in your life where you can focus on on these outside variables. So not feeling like I'm doomed if I can't think, if I can't focus on hydration and sleep and nutrition and all those things. Like if you're just, if all you have in you is to get your workouts in, like that's good, that's good enough. Don't yeah. worry too much. And then like, if you have the opportunity to add these things in, that's kind of why I was thinking of putting it down at the bottom of the list is like, it feels it feels like equally very important and also like bonus. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you're at a period of in time in life where things are so chaotic, where these things like you could barely get your workouts in, let alone think about all these variables, it is like, yeah, you got to give yourself grace. Like if you are a new parent, if you just started a new job or if your job just picked up randomly more hours or you got sick or now you have to take care of someone in your family because they got sick or something like that. Basically, you have a lot of things going on that are outside your control and you're just barely trying to put it, hold it together uh, with these, uh, trying to get your workouts in. Like, yeah, it's to give yourself grace. Like, yeah, this is a period in, in time in your life where you don't have to necessarily make progress. So it's not like a mistake on your end. It's just to be like, you know, this isn't really the right time for me to push forward. All I'm gonna focus on is trying to get my workouts in the best that I can. and allow myself to do that and mentally be okay with it. Yeah. Because, you know, you can listen to this podcast and think, oh, I have to push forward and make progress every single workout, every single day, every single month. But that ultimately isn't that sustainable. And so what we're looking at for progressive overload and following a progressive overload program and doing all this is just over time, very generally, over the course of years, over the course of decades, like, just making sure that things are generally pushing forward and not focusing so much on, like, let's say we just tracked every single workout that you did on a graph. We're not zeroing in on a few workouts or a few weeks worth of workouts. We're thinking the general trend of your hundreds and hopefully thousands of workouts are things moving forward. And that's what we're generally looking at. For some reason, I thought you were going to say hundreds or maybe thousands of years. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're really hopeful for our life expectancy. Hopefully, hopefully. Technology improves. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's perfect. I think we tend to zoom in when we should be doing more zooming out and thinking about the big picture versus what's happening today in this moment right now. And, you know, we see all these sorts of um, recommendations online. It's like sleep eight to, uh, eight to nine hours a day or or <laughs> sleep eight to nine hours a night. <laughs> Or drink half your body weight in ounces or do meditation every morning at 5 a.m. or whatever recommendation there is. Um, the other thing to like kind of go about it is maybe you can't sleep eight to nine hours a night, but maybe you can improve the sleep quality. So you could like one thing that we did was we got out, we got out blackout curtains and we indirectly listen to white noise because of our baby want monitor, but that's helped with our sleep. There are different ways you can improve your sleep hygiene, but not necessarily have to increase the amount of sleep that you get. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we should just go into some of them because these are like things that you could that could help you improve. Mm. So with sleep, if if you can 
eight to nine hours of sleep is great. Great. (laughs) Like that's going to be ideal. But if you can't, or even if you can do that and you still want to improve your sleep even more, like blackout curtains are great. White noise is great. Um, Setting your temperature to around 68 degrees, which is cooler than most people have it probably. I think it's lower than that. Oh yeah? I think it's 66. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, we're not sleep experts. <laughs> I could be totally you, you, making them something up. You can do your up. research there. I thought it was cooler, but I can't remember. I think we have to do 68 because of the kids. Anyway, setting uh, it cooler. Yeah, setting it cooler. Better bedding. Ooh, pillows. Nicer sheets. Yep, which we recently invested in once we moved, and mm-hmm. it's been a game changer. It really is. Hit the bed, go to sleep, feel so comfortable. Feel so good. Not drinking water too close to bedtime. Yep. This I learned because we... Um, have a three-year-old who is potty trained <laughs> and i was like and it was like don't don't have them drink too close to bedtime because then they'll have to pee and three-year-olds don't necessarily know to get up and use the bathroom but adults do yeah and it interrupts your sleep so yeah, totally. having sort of like a cutoff for your hydration which is another point we'll talk about the whole um, screen time thing right before yeah. bed which we are notorious culprits for oh yeah we should mention that like we don't do a lot of these things. I think this is something that a lot of it, like fitness professionals and influencers like claim to kind of have their whole lives together. And mm-hmm. it's like, like life coaches especially are like, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And it's never, it's always just like an expectation that they, they also do those things. Yeah. But we are kind of just doing our best just like everyone else, yeah. right? And we certainly have areas in our life that we can improve. And sleep, sleep is, is a huge one. a big one for us. And we know that. And we're, it's not like, we're purposefully neglecting it. It's just something that for us right now, there are other priorities that we're focusing on where sleep is something that's a little bit harder for us to focus on in this moment. Yeah, It doesn't mean that we don't think it's important or that we don't think that we should improve it. Yeah. But it also is like reality for us right now that sometimes we bring our phones into bed with us. And I sometimes all the time. <laughs> we mean every day. And yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, we know this isn't good. And also... I don't know. It's not, I'm not willing to give it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are people that are like, oh, I sleep with my phone charging in a different room. I'm like, how do you do that? What if there's like an emergency or something? I know. I think about emergencies and also like it's my alarm clock, which yes, you could get a different alarm clock. Like, yeah, yeah there are all these things that you could that you could do to improve. And I just want people listening to know that like just because they're available and that you could do them doesn't mean that if you're not doing them that you're totally messing up yeah like yeah. your life is fine and you're fine and every if every you know once in a while you want to take a look at what you're doing in general and think like you know i'm gonna make this change like i'm gonna do this one thing outside of just your workouts like kind of in the areas that we're talking about yeah um and see how i feel and see if it helps but if you're not doing every single thing that we mentioned here like don't worry neither are we yeah yeah <laughs> and you're fine um as far as hydration goes i mean the recommendation is drink half your body weight in ounces but mm-hmm. you know a lot of people they might drink ha- coffee half their body weight in ounces <laughs> but water they're at like 20 ounces let's yeah. say but they need to do 80 ounces you know one very simple trick for you cuz you never used to drink water yes was literally have a giant yeti or whatever water device you want to hold um with you at all times I'm trying to see how many ounces this is i think it's literally like 60 and yeah and it's, <laughs> it's it, actually half my body right now i think the big thing for you is that it keeps your ice cold like you you want ice cold water yes and so you're not going to drink water unless it's ice cold yeah so the yeti was the perfect solution and a great investment for you and the big one because i honestly once it runs out i like still i barely rarely go to fill it up and yeah. i'm like it, it takes me getting thirsty to go yeah. fill it up whereas like if you're 
actually being hydrated, you shouldn't ever feel thirsty. Yeah. Like you should be able to maintain a level of just like comfort. And as soon as you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I have to have like if it's full, I take sips of it all the time because it's right next next to me and it feels yeah. like a distraction from typing, like a little break from doing whatever I'm doing to take a sip. But if it's not full or ice cold, I honestly just like won't drink water. Yeah. So if you normally <laughs> drink 20 ounces of water a day, just get a 40 ounce Yeti, fill that up and at least you're making progress in that regard. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be Yeti. I wish we were Yeti sponsor us. Yeah. <gasps> that would be my <laughs> favorite be sponsor. My Our first podcast sponsor. All right. So moving on to nutrition. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think with nutrition, typically when you're looking at, when you're talking about nutrition in relation to working out, people always think it's about weight loss. We're going to sound like broken records, but it's not just yeah. about weight loss and progress is not just about weight loss. With nutrition, what I think about in terms of how, how this can add to your progress with your workouts is just kind of taking note and trying to think about what foods make you feel lethargic and like lazy versus which foods make you feel energized and and good and like and just kind of taking the time to take note of that because I think sometimes we just eat the foods that we're used to eating and we don't even like really recognize how they make us feel but there are definitely foods that make me feel a little bit more like I just want to sit after (laughs) versus foods that make me feel a little bit more energized and and it's not to say that the foods that make you feel a little bit more lethargic or tired like that they're bad inherently bad foods or that you should feel guilty or shameful for eating them it's just that like maybe you shouldn't put those right before your workout because then you're not going to have as strong of a workout yeah right so it's like I think with nutrition it tends to be like good or bad you know eat this, don't eat that. Like, and it's, it's really not, that's not what I'm saying with nutrition. It's more of just like recognizing which foods give you energy, recognizing which foods give you, um, just like more of a motivation to get moving versus the foods that don't. Yeah. And, and in general, trying to aim for getting more fruits and vegetables, getting more high quality proteins, like in your diet, in your diet in general, because those things are going to help you just feel better and healthier and, and improve your health overall. Yeah. Um, they're also going to, yeah, help your your workouts as well. Right. Like, you know, you, you hear these weight loss diets that are like zero sugar, zero carbs. Like, you need carbs yeah. to be able to fuel your workouts effectively. Um, and so, yeah, when you focus on only weight loss, it really diminishes your actual health. Yeah, and your ability to lift and to get your workouts yeah. done. Yeah, Just, yeah, have high energy in general. Yeah. So, yeah. Carbs are your friend. (laughs) (laughs) And then stress management, mental health. I mean, there's an infinite number of ways. Uh, We encourage you to do more like self-reflection in that regard. Like some people need different things, whether it's therapy or meditation or journaling or whatever, hiking, whatever activity that you like to do. Um, There's all sorts of different ways to go about it. So we won't go down that rabbit hole today. But um, yeah, there are different realms in that area. But again, we started off this whole section basically being like, Okay, if these are if 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 this is stressing you out, these other areas in your life, then maybe you shouldn't be so focused or worried about making progress in the gym. You know, you should yeah. just take a step back a little bit, just get your workouts in as best you can, and then you know when it is a better time in your life, then maybe you can pursue different variables or even little variables within these variables, like we just mentioned, like improving certain qualities of your sleep certain qualities of your nutrition, um, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah. 
All right. All right. We so, were worried that we would have like a 10-minute podcast, but we were able to ramble for quite a bit. I feel like we <laughs> tend to do that. We're like, oh my gosh, are we going to even have anything to say? And then we get excited because we like this these topics. It's fun. Yeah. And it feels like it gives us a chance. I think sometimes we feel like, okay, when we're on Instagram, it's like, okay, we have 60 seconds to get a point across about progressive overload. And it's yeah. like, we could talk about this for clearly like an hour. <laughs> and it sometimes it feels like the whole picture isn't really seen and there's no nuance. And so, yeah, we're excited to have this outlet as a way to just give a little bit more nuance and, uh, and a little more like realism to the topic versus just like, yeah. you have to do it this way. Boom. Real over. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram story over. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You want to introduce uh, next week's topic? Oh, we have a spicy one. Oh, yeah. We're going to do our thoughts on the influencer, um, what I eat in a day type of posts. Yeah. And it's funny, like, we don't even think of ourselves as influencers, quote unquote, even <laughs> though we have a large amount of uh, a, a presence on Instagram. But um, but yeah, we're going to be influencers talking about the influencer recommendations here. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, and I don't mean to say influencer as like a dirty word because yeah. there are plenty of influencers who are doing great things and like influencing in positive ways. Yeah. But I think that there is a level of um, harm that can be done when talk, when doing the like what I eat in a day posts or, yeah. or morning routine posts and like kind of, yeah, I mean, we, I won't go into it too far right now, but we're, we have some feelings. We have some thoughts and feelings on mm -hmm. how that might affect people who are consuming that information and yeah. we're going to dive deep into it next week yeah um, if you have any comments about this episode please let us know at reasonably fit pod on our instagram oh my gosh should we talk about the saga yes yeah this has been a saga okay so i created reasonably fit pod <laughs> the handle on instagram Granted, this is like my seventh Instagram handle, right? We have, I have my personal one. We have the Lauren and Jason Pack one, Jason Lauren Pack one. We have the Achieve Mentors, Achieve Online. Like we have so many Instagram so many. accounts. It's like not my first time making an Instagram account. Anyway, I make Reasonably Fit Pod just to like make sure that I get the handle. And because we were like, that's what we want it to be. It was available. So I registered it and put up a, a profile picture and then kind of just like let it sit there. And because I, I didn't want to like have it get started without having the podcast yet yeah i just wanted to scare it so then it'd been like a week or two and i'm like jason's like what's your usually in the morning we're like what's your agenda today like you know this is what i'm working on what are you working on just so we're on the same page and i was like oh today i'm gonna make all the materials <laughs> for the reasonably fit pod uh instagram account You're like so i'm that, so excited to finally sit down like i've got some time to I do like, it I really i'm so excited about this i've been thinking about it i can't wait and i go to log in and it's like this account doesn't exist i was like what that, this is so weird so jason's like uninstall and reinstall instagram do that doesn't exist like I'm signing sudden, into my in, from my computer and my phone, non-existing. Looking like, it up, like doing like going on our desktop and like Instagram.com slash reasonably fit pod. <laughs> it's like this account doesn't exist. I was like, what in the world? So I was like, okay, I don't know what happened. I'm just going to like try to create it again just to like, I was like, I guess it got deleted. Yeah. So I could try to create it again and it says username not available. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? The one day I finally tried to work and I had been logging into it just to like check on it, yeah. <laughs> like my little baby and it had been fine up yeah. until this day. So you found the link to like contact, contact support. support for Instagram. So I had to like, <laughs> you had to fill out this thing that's like write down this very specific number and then you have to take a picture of yourself holding that number with your full name and 
email address and both of your hands have to be in this picture we should put it i'll put up the picture it's on that so funny you look like that kanye <laughs> <On the> page, <laughs> meme it looked hilarious i'm like <laughs> smiling cheesing like please let me back into my instagram account and um so then they're like okay we'll like let you know if your account was deactivated for whatever reason but i'm like freaking out so in the meantime because i was like i have no idea when that's gonna happen or come back so in the meantime i create reasonably fit podcast as another account trying to like i mean secure- i made that suggestion you're like well, that's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a stupid handle. <laughs> but then you did it anyway. But I did it anyway because I was like, well, we need something. <laughs> so I get Reasonably Fit Podcast and I do the same thing. I'm like going through the steps. Like I type in a bio. This time I'm like doing more. So like type in a bio and, and put our name and a picture. But I didn't do like a post or follow five friends. And I guess like when you're setting it up, there's like these four steps that it says you have to do. But I'm just like, I thought they were just like suggestions. Yeah. You're anyway, like, I want to keep this a secret anyway. Yeah, I didn't want people to know about it. I just wanted the handle. Yeah. Anyway, fast forward like six hours and I go to like, I'm like, okay, well, I made all this material. I'll just, I just guess I'll just put it on Reasonably Fit Podcast just in case the other one doesn't get uploaded or re- reactivated. And literally the same thing happened. It got deactivated within hours. I was in the car and Lauren was freaking out. I literally think I texted him, I'm crying. She's like, I'm going to (laughs) cry. I was so upset because I just couldn't believe it. Anyway, but then I got an email from Instagram saying, your account was deactivated by mistake. Oh, did you get an email? I did. Oh, wow. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah, because I was able to actually log into it. Oh, and I was like quickly scrambling to like follow, follow five five friends and do all this stuff, and then I got the email like two hours later that was like it was reactivated. So I literally just kept trying until it got reactivated, and they I got in before they even told That's me. So <laughs> but then I did get an email. So uh, anyway, thank goodness. Anyway, uh, some of you actually found reasonably fit pod already, which is interesting. Instagram like already suggested it. So I know. Sorry well, for deactivating. <laughs> we'll let we'll let your entire following base know. I once I was able to get it reactivated i had to follow enough people so like i think i think it was because i followed my mom mm. and then my mom followed us back and then other people saw that she followed us and yeah. then achieve mentors followed us and like people just started to get it as we got the pieces. suggested i guess but by the time this is this episode's coming out we should have lots of content up there already yeah um, so go to episode number two comment below with feedback questions concerns all that at reasonably fit pod i'll put up the picture of me begging for our our (laughs) our uh, handle to be reinstated (laughs) please uh subscribe to us on all the major platforms and yeah leave us a review if your platform like itunes uh takes reviews yeah i think that's about it all right until next time sweat out happiness in (laughs) 